Welcome to The Connection. A podcast to connect you to the parish of Yates and Froomside Benefice. My name is Howell. And I'm Justin. We are your hosts sharing with you the connection between faith and everyday living. On this week's episode, we have a very special recording by Reverend Ian Wallace. It was recorded on the 26th of January 2020 and a live launch event for the 2020-2025 vision for the Parish of Yate. More information is available within your churches and on our website and across all of our social media platforms. from the last few verses of Matthew's Gospel. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, give us attentive hearts and minds to hear your voice speaking to us this morning, that we might go from here knowing that we have met you and heard from you to put into practice what you want of our lives. Amen. Would you please sit down? Now, when, we, when Ruth and I arrived in Yate, which was just under seven years ago, would you believe it, uh, the garden at the rectory was, to be frank, a little bit of a wasteland. We looked out of the kitchen window onto four dead Leylandii trees, which, after some persuasion, the diocese kindly agreed to remove. And the back third of the garden was effectively wilderness and brambles, And there were relatively few plants in the garden and a large area of bare soil just to the side of the house. It was effectively barren. But actually, I quickly developed this idea of what the garden could be like, what it could become. Actually, the conditions aren't too bad. The soil is fertile and we gradually cleared out all the dead wood and the brambles and began to give the garden some structure and then... to to plant it up with with plants that were donated, actually, by many of you. And the renewed garden gradually took shape and became fruitful. Now, we did have a few disasters along the way. The fence blew down very quickly in high winds, so that had to be replaced. And then there was a lovely 30-foot sycamore tree in one corner. That came crashing down across all the flower beds at one stage as well. But that picture of what this garden could be like remained clear and gradually the garden emerged to where it is today. And last year it produced some 20 different types of vegetables and fruit 
And we have flowers in most seasons of the year, including a, a wildflower section, which is my latest little project. But the journey is not finished. The garden continues to evolve uh, today, guided by that original picture. But actually, it's also illustrative of what can be achieved over time if you have that sense of clear focus and don't give up. So today is Vision Sunday and we're launching our new vision for the next five years. Some of you may be sitting here wondering why we need a vision. I mean, hasn't the church survived for centuries without a vision? Well, actually, no. If you think about it, this nation wasn't evangelised without great vision on behalf of the likes of Columba and Cuthbert in the north and Augustine in the south. It took a great deal of vision to conceive of our cathedrals and to build them. And also, you know, the network of churches we have across the country, including this one. The people who went before us had extraordinary vision. It took vision to ensure that Christian principles and values permeate our laws and our culture. Without vision, we lose that sense of purpose and direction and become too easily distracted by the multitude of other agendas. Indeed, I, I would say that our own experience of the last five years has demonstrated the value of vision. When I came in 2013, the parish had an electoral roll of 220 across all four of our churches, and an average weekly attendance of 243. Since then, at least half of the people named on that original electoral roll have either died or become housebound or have moved away, which suggests that today our average weekly attendance across the parish should be about 120. In fact, the electoral roll for the parish has grown over the last seven years, and our average weekly attendance is now around 400. And I also have no doubt that our previous vision has made us not only more purposeful, but actually more creative. You know, some of the things like the Christmas Tree Festival have, have grown out of that sense of, of creativity. But when we reviewed the last uh, vision that we had, we recognised that it had its faults. So it was a, a bit complicated. It was a booklet of 24 pages long. The one you're going to receive at the end of the service is half that, just 12 pages long. Our last vision wasn't that easy to remember. It didn't entirely trip off the tongue, did it? And I think, I'm not going to test you, don't worry, but if I asked any of you to, to recall it, I suspect that some of you might struggle. And there was a sense that it belonged a bit to the sort of ministry team and the PCC, rather than to each and every person. And our new vision tries to address that. Now, the reason I chose that passage from Matthew 28 was because in a relatively few lines, I think it teaches us a number of important things. Firstly, it's very clear that Jesus had a vision that guided him, a vision of the way that things could be if they were restored to the way that God wanted them. And he called that vision the kingdom of God, and it informed the whole of his life. 
And that vision was so important to him that he wanted the work that he had started to continue after his ascension. So he entrusted it to his followers. He calls all of us to be part of that work of restoration, appointing other people to the kingdom of God and helping them to become followers of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But then there's something else in the reading that actually I only really noticed properly four weeks ago. I'd read this passage countless times, but you you tend to focus on the end bit, and I'd miss this. And that's the bit that says that when the disciples saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Yes, there were doubts and uncertainties, even among those earliest of disciples. But still, everyone was given that same calling, that same commission. Those doubts didn't serve as any excuse or exemption, because actually the reality is that we all have them. All of them, all disciples, all followers, are equally commissioned. And the vision that we're launching today is actually for all of us, each and every one of us, You don't need theological training to be a disciple of Jesus. So, just before the big reveal, I just want to touch on that word discipleship or disciple because I'm aware that for some people it can be problematic. You may not see it as applying to you. You may think, well, that's a biblical term. It it applied only to those people who Jesus met in the flesh. Actually, that's not true. The simplest translation of disciple is just follower. So everyone, in a sense, sat here today is a disciple of Jesus. But there's also another way of looking at it, which the American author Dallas Willard uses, which I personally find very helpful. And he describes a disciple as an apprentice. Someone who learns on the job and who copies the work of his master. The old, in the old days, the, dis, the, the apprentices used to, the, the carpentry apprentices used to have to make sort of miniature versions of the cabinets that their, their, their masters were making out of the offcuts of the wood and to try and perfect it. And in a sense, that's what we're called to do, to copy the work of the master, our master Jesus. We are apprenticed to Jesus. And it's a lifetime's journey of, of growing in confidence and experience. So then, what is our new vision? Having prayed to God to show us his way forward and having listened to all your comments, do you remember last Easter we asked for your feedback and comments and and your prayers as well? And having learned from the experience of the past five years, what is it that the PCC believes that God is calling us to for the next five years? There it is, making Jesus visible. So simple as that. Hopefully, a lot more memorable than the last time. Three words, that's all you have to remember. Making Jesus visible. That's what we should be doing each and every day of our lives. All of us involved in this this act of sort of everyday mission. 
And if you remember nothing else from today, please do remember those three words, making Jesus visible. Because you see, the belief is that if we make Jesus visible, then actually we give Jesus the opportunity to draw people to himself. It's a true partnership with God in building the kingdom. And I'm confident that if we do this, if we make Jesus more and more visible to the people of Yate, that actually we will become a, a vibrant, growing community that is focused on Jesus, rooted in prayer, and open to and caring of all people. And a community that is, is doing that, focused on Jesus, rooted in prayer, open and caring. Isn't that a sort of a hint of the kingdom of God coming here in Yate anyway? That's for those of you at the back who can't see the words at the bottom. That's what it effectively says. Focused on Jesus, rooted in prayer, open to and caring of all people. But, you might say, you know, sometimes the problem with things that are almost too simple is, you know, they think, well, hold on a moment, isn't that a bit too simple? What, what does it really mean in practice? Well, in one sense, I can't actually tell you because it's for each and every one of you to work that out for yourself in your own particular context. And it may vary from, from day to day according to, to who you're meeting and what you're doing. However, we have identified four priorities which we believe are the hallmarks of a good disciple. And it's all, we managed to get it all onto one page in this little booklet that you'll get at the end. So just inside there, it's all on this page. The four priorities are, firstly, prayerfulness. Developing and deepening that, that friendship with Jesus by setting aside time each day to listen to him and to open our hearts to him. Secondly, growth. We need to pay attention to our own walk with God to ensure that we're still moving on in that apprenticeship journey. When I was uh, much younger, I came across one of those sort of Christian posters that had a, a young shoot, a sort of a seedling, just popping out of the ground. And on it, it said, the only true evidence of life is growth. The only true evidence of life is growth. If you think about it, we're experiencing it in just a moment. How do you know that your, your daffodil bulbs haven't rotted off over winter and sort of have disappeared? Actually, because we can see them now growing out of the ground. That's how we know they're still alive. And if we get stuck or distracted or indeed abandon this journey that we're on, then actually we're not going to be in a position to make Jesus visible to others. There's also a diagram, nice bright sort of yellow and red diagram on page six that you can have a look at later, which is our attempt to try and sort of describe in very simple terms the sort of the stages of this, this journey of, of growth. Unfortunately, I don't have time to unpack that this morning, so we'll do that another time, but have a look at it. So prayerfulness, growth, openness being engaged with others in our community and connecting with their needs. And how can we make Jesus visible if we stay huddled in a kind of Christian ghetto? That passage from Matthew that I read to you, it has a clear command of Jesus saying, go, go out. And as we've said, the, 
that the, the most important part of this service actually comes right at the end when we're sent out into uh, our community to make Jesus visible. And lastly, caring. One of the ways that we will make Jesus visible is by showing his love in action and by being gracious and caring to all. So prayerfulness, growth, openness and caring. The other way in which I might be able to help you to understand a little bit what this might mean in practice in your life is because I've done some thinking of my own about what this might mean for me personally. As I said, this vision, it, 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 it affects us all, even me. So for me, this vision of making Jesus visible is actually underpinned by the four values that we have supporting this vision. And those four values we've put on the back page, not because they're the le it's the least important page, but hopefully it's on the idea that if you pop this down on your coffee table, sort of face down, you'll see the values there on the back. It's a very visible place. So um, those four values are courageous faith with vulnerability, generous, gracious hospitality to others, active love leading to compassionate service, and a searching, adventurous spirit. For me, it actually starts with that last one, the searching, adventurous spirit. It's recognising that the journey of discipleship, this, this journey of apprenticeship, is actually lifelong, and that I still have much to learn from Jesus. It's about seeking to grow and creating that space for, for prayer, to listen to God and for seeing God at work and for thinking <coughs> through what that all means for my life. I very much don't want to become like those people whom Jesus referred to when he quoted the prophet Isaiah, who he said were ever hearing but never understanding, or ever seeing but never perceiving whose hearts had become calloused. It's actually very easy for that to happen to us. So, you know, for me, having that searching, adventurous spirit is the antidote to that, to keep on searching and inquiring what God is asking of me. Then I recognise that actually I need to have greater faith, courage in my own faith, to be more willing to risk talking about what my faith means to me in my life. To be more ready to risk rejection and, you know, if, for people who say, oh, actually, that's not for me. And to try and find new ways of helping people, the people of Yate, to understand just how much God really does love them. Then that third one, gracious, sorry, generous, gracious and hospitable. I try to be these things already. But actually, when I was thinking about this vision, I recognised that I'm not always entirely generous in giving people the time that they need. I'm aware that sometimes there's this sort of appearance of busyness that attaches to me. And I need to find ways of not appearing too busy so that people can have the time that they need. And then lastly, that active love leading to compassionate service. I'm very aware it's all too easy for me to become wrapped up 
in churchy stuff. And that actually I need to open my eyes, to open them more to see where people are hurting and need help and need God's love. So I'm going to take a bit of a risk here. I'm going to invite you all to hold me accountable to all of that, to sort of say, actually, you know, you did say you'd try and be a bit less busy and allow more time for people and things like that. So do feel free to challenge me. But I hope you can see from, from my example that actually in these three words, there's, there is a challenge to all of us, a challenge in outworking this vision. I believe it's, it's not an impossible challenge. It's a challenge that we can, we can rise to. And I think it's something that we can do together, particularly when helped by the Holy Spirit, when we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and ensure that together we are making Jesus more and more visible in this town of Yate. And I believe that if together we succeed in making Jesus more visible, then actually we will see some amazing change for the better in our town. So I want to ask, are you ready to make Jesus visible? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the fact that you trusted us with this incredible task that you left in the hands of your disciples when you ascended to heaven. Lord, you know that so often we, we fall over and, and aren't very good at what you have asked us to do. But Lord, we do just ask that you will empower us by your Holy Spirit and enable us to make you visible in this town. Amen. <laughs>